Hello and welcome to e-commerce growth stories. This is your hostess with the mostest, Juliana Jackson, aka the CLV lady. And also I am the chief evangelist for OmniConvert. And this is Valentin Radu, CEO of OmniConvert. Thank you for tuning in today for a new episode of e-commerce growth stories. Do you like snooping around? I know I do. I don't know, did you ever wonder what Sony uses to power their e-commerce business or Coca-Cola or Motorola or other big names in uh, e-commerce and retail? Well, today the secret is going to be revealed and I am talking about Vitex. Vitex is the first and only fully integrated commerce marketplace and OMS solution that offers fastest time to revenue and no upgrades like ever. So, if you're an e-commerce brand and you're looking to find a software that can really become a powerhouse to your business, providing you the best go-to-market speed, flexibility, daily updates and reports, and overall platform stability and agility, you really have to check these guys out. So, make sure you go to visit vtex.com, that's vtex.com, today and give that e-commerce business a boost. So today we're talking to hashtag CEO Peter, Peter Messana, CEO of Search Spring. So yes, we're going to talk about Search Spring and how they are uh, helping uh, e-commerce companies personalize their customer experiences and the shopping experience on the website. But we're also going to talk about the hurdles and struggles of being a CEO and uh, being, uh, you know, in a leadership position. And I just got to warn you that this is going to be a very funny episode. And just just tune in, listen up, and let me know your thoughts. And we are live right now, Bucharest, Romania, and wherever Peter is from, which I didn't search before starting the podcast, America. <laughs> San Antonio, Texas. Oh, oh, Valentin was there actually last yeah. year, I think, Valentin. No, before COVID. Before COVID, yeah. Before. yeah so- yeah, uh, yeah, I like that river in the in the city center. Yeah, yeah, that's good down there. We were down there last night celebrating Cinco de Mayo. Must be Cinco good. Must be good, yeah, to be able to go places. So we are here with Peter Messana, and I'm excited because I'm a big fan of him. He, you probably know him as CEO Peter. I know him also as uh, the founder and CEO of Search Spring, which is a really cool e-commerce platform that I want to talk about today, but. Peter, thank you so much for coming. And uh, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, I'm happy to have you here. So, I'm going to kick it off by asking you the first question that I ask everyone because I'm secretly planning an ebook. How did you get into e commerce? How, because I know most of the times it's an accident. So, let's see if it was an accident in your case. Total accident. 2005, uh, bought a small retail company. Uh, selling outdoor products, mostly kayaks. Um, And we launched a website. So we bought it in May and we launched a website in December to highlight our product so that people would drive from further away. We didn't think we'd sell much online. Um, I think we budgeted like 35,000 for the first year and we did like 250,000 in that first year. And then fast forward uh, 11 years later, we sold that company off to a private equity firm uh, and it was doing about 82% 82% or so was online. So totally by accident. Cool, cool, cool. So you, 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 you have, you're like a, I don't want to say this 
in a, I don't know how to say this better. So you're like a veteran in e-commerce, right? So you have seen all the faces. I'm old. But I, I, no, I'm not. See, this is this is the problem. I didn't. You are versed. I think is that is that a good word? Versed. Sure. Versed. You are very versed in the e-commerce space, and actually, this is a good um, opportunity for me to ask you what's like because uh, I'm I'm you know you and Valent Valentin is as versed as you trust. Me. <laughs> so because I am in Europe, that's why <laughs> that's that's the only thing. <laughs> So, because I'm uh, newer to e-commerce in a way, I think, uh, I guess, like, I have maybe, like, five years of e-commerce, because mostly it was SaaS before. What are some things that, uh, you know, you guys were doing back in, I don't know, like, 10 years ago that were working and are not working anymore right now in terms of e-commerce growth? Uh, yeah, I mean, back then, you know, like, Google Shopping was actually called Frugal. Um, and it was free. Um, so there was a lot of, there were a lot of things that worked very well. What we didn't have to worry about back then was Amazon. Um, that didn't really exist in our space. Um, so yeah, I don't know, you know, the, I mean, PPC isn't really, it's tough now. It was a lot easier back then. Yeah. Um, now you truly have to provide some sort of unique service or offering that isn't about price or speed of delivery. Um, so back then that's how you, we sort of differentiated was, we didn't have to, well, we didn't have to worry about price back then that much, but yeah, speed of delivery was, was a big thing. Now you can't beat Amazon, so why bother trying? This is actually a thing because a lot of, this is what Valentin was uh, talking about yesterday in another, you know, podcast or webinar, what, what it was, it was like, it's very hard to compete on shipping when Amazon is just right there delivering the next day. So if your value proposition as an e-commerce brand is shipping, you have to start worrying about your, uh, you know, your priorities in, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, of growth. So I'm, I'm sorry, Valentin, that I'm totally hugging Peter, but I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> right now but i promise this is my um you know i'm just gonna set up the the stage for you so tell us a bit about uh search springs for who doesn't know what search spring does what does search spring do so yeah so search spring we we power uh or we give um merch or uh, e-commerce sites merchandising we call it superpowers so we, if you land on a site and you hit the search bar and you type in a search uh, there's a pretty good chance we're powering the results that are coming back to you and we're providing the retailer the ability to augment those results, alter them, do whatever they might want uh, to do. Uh, I equate it to the idea of like a grocery store where you're able to merchandise a shelf. You can put the thing at the five foot four, which is the average height of a shopper's eyes. Mm -hmm. uh, online, we give the ability to change that PLP, that product listing page, that grid view to be whatever the merchandiser wants it to be. So we're essentially powering the anywhere a product grid is displayed or recommendations for products. Okay. So, Valentin? Uh, so, uh, I oh. wanted to ask you, Peter, about this uh, pattern. <laughs> I, I've also founded an e-commerce company and then I got into the SaaS space uh, for, for e-commerce uh, companies. I wanted to ask you how, how you've started the search spring story because we, we understood how you've started uh, your own e-commerce. Yeah, I have to correct. 
I'll have to correct Juliana that I didn't found SearchSpring. So I was brought in two years ago when the uh, private oh, okay. company bought it. So I didn't find, I, I wasn't a founder, so I didn't come up with the idea. Um, okay. But I did move from e-commerce to SaaS. Um, I love technology. Uh, so it was one of those, I wanted to be involved in e-commerce and I ended up loving tech. So now I supply the tech to e-commerce. So I'm one step removed sort of do miss the actual e-commerce. Like okay. Once they're closer to the customer is kind of cool. So tell uh, tell me about merchandising. Do you think it's, uh, I mean, merchandising, it's, uh, it's an issue for companies from how many SKUs onwards from your, uh, from your perspective? Yeah. yeah. So it is, it's very difficult. So you're trying to transition from an offline to an online. So if I go back to the grocery store, you walk into a grocery store, typically you're walking into the produce section. It's colorful. They, they steer you, they get to walk you through however they want you to walk through it based on where they put the products, milks in the back. So, you know, and in between is bread. Um, and, and they have the power of all that data where you're walking and they get to make end caps and clip strips and everything. Um, so we try to mimic that online. If you land on a page, we want to be able to sort the products the way that, you know, people would want to see them or, or how the merchandisers want to sell them, maybe a high margin item, maybe, uh, high stock items, um, you know, whatever it might be at the top. Um, so we try to mimic that exact, the offline experience into the online. Um, but we don't get to guide the shopper online. You don't get to guide, you might land from a, uh, Google AdWord straight onto a PDP and just buy the product. And the only thing we can provide there is recommendations for other products to buy, uh, but we don't get to guide them. So while we're trying to mimic that offline, it gets really difficult because online you're sort of, as a shopper, you're in way more control. You're not having to walk through the store like you would in a normal store. And all the stores are like that. I mean, it doesn't matter what retailer you go into, they've laid it out in a way that they want. So. How, how sorry. Sorry, Juliana, yeah, uh, you you go. No, it's fine, I don't wanna, you know, go ahead. I, I was wondering about guiding those, uh, those uh, visitors, let's say. Yeah, that's the, what I wanted to ask too. How, how, you, how you decide over this uh, merchandising, this product recommendation, are you using any kind of algorithms? Uh, are the retailers uh, in need to, I don't know, set some rules or it's uh, somehow purely automatically optimized for more margin or revenue? Yeah, so <clears throat> we give the power down to the merchandiser to, to choose. Um, so we can, you can run it off algorithmic. Uh, most of them don't want to do that. They want to do it rule-based, uh, you know, pushing out of stocks down to the bottom, uh, high margin to the top, uh, specifically pinning products in position one or two on a product grid. Um, it is interesting because people want like personalization, like, you know, they'll ask for it, which we have the ability, uh, but then they don't actually want it because then they realize that they can't merchandise the way that they want it to go and they don't like the way the machine. Um, so we recently recently released uh, A-B testing and now I challenge them all to A-B test that human versus the machine and see who's smarter because the algorithm is probably smarter on a sales, but it may not accomplish your goals. So, I mean, sales sounds like the ultimate goal, but it's not always the ultimate goal in e-commerce. Um, you do have margin, you also have map policies that come into play, you know, you might have a policy where you can't show up 
competitor side by side type of thing. Um, the algorithm struggles with that. And that's where, so we, we give the ability for the merchandisers to override the algorithm. Um, and most of them want to. They think they're smarter than the computer. They're probably not. I just don't tell them that. You've just did. Oh, I just did. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I I I want to ask you something. What do you think about the shopping experiences that you you know you guys you can see right now on different websites? Because you're a consumer too. Besides being a CEO, you're a consumer. So you want to buy something, and you go on a website, and you are experiencing. The shopping experience. How do you feel about it? Do you call them and tell them that they need your services after? I get thoroughly frustrated shopping online. Um, <laughs> most are so terrible at it, um, and and I quite frankly like going to the store. Um, but yeah, no, I I send it to our sales team all the time when I'm shopping online. I just did the other day. I was, shop, I was shopping <laughs> on a website and I searched for. Uh, I was looking for a cart, and uh, the first two products were cartridges. Um, which made no sense. I'm like, what is going on here? Why would you do that? Like you did a wild card search. Like that is just asinine. Like just so then I send his sales team and say, go get this and fix them, please help them fix them. <laughs> yeah. There was actually a, another company. If you search for bras, you saw socks. And if you search for socks, you saw bras. So we're now trying to win that customer. We gave them the example of their poor search. And... I hope that's not a pie for you. Another pie that's coming your way. <laughs> I uh, double down on the pies. They, they get two pies if they hit Q2. Okay, cool. Valentin, see, this is something you shouldn't introduce in our company. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm trying to great, stay the, away the from gif, sugar. The GIF is, the, the GIF is great. Uh, the video is better. Um, and, uh, yeah. I'm fun. waiting on you to post it so I can link it up in this, uh, in this podcast. So for who's listening... Uh, Chantel is the vi vice president of sales for SurfSpring. So Peter, based on his LinkedIn post that didn't need narrative, so this is my imaginative narrative, he says that he, they, you know, he was expecting Chantel to, uh, I can't believe I'm using this word, crush uh, the, the, you know, the quarter sales, and she did. So she went and, uh, you know, what's the word? Hit Peter in the face with the pie? Pie, yeah, she she pie him. She pied she you. Yeah, she pied me, and she didn't do it. Like, she was a professional. She actually, if you watch, she grabs the back of my neck so I can't move, <laughs> and then she smears the pie in my face. So. It sounds a bit passive-aggressive. Like right? Yeah, she, she exfoliated me with the uh, graham cracker crust. <laughs> with cream. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to definitely try to link that. Uh, if you post that video, I'm going to, I have to put it. It's, uh, I, I like what you do on LinkedIn, but I want to talk about that later. So you mentioned Google Shopping earlier. So uh, I think it was called listings before or some before it was called, as you said, it was called. And um, I discovered the other day that a lot of people don't use Google Shopping as it is right now. But a lot of uh, I mean, I'm not. I'm talking about brands. Brands don't use that. Uh, they don't optimize for Google Shopping. But consumers, if they're looking for a pair of sneakers online, they will go and click the tab for Google Shopping. And I noticed that the products that are prioritized are the ones that have, uh, you know, identification, the unique identification of. Uh, of a product. So I'm assuming when you, so people or like brands use search, bring you guys optimize for that type of search. 
too, right? Yeah. When the, the, how do you call, you know, like there's like the specific uh, product identification and SKUs. Yeah, if you search for a SKU, yeah, we would return just that product back up um, to the top. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of brands don't don't understand, you know, I guess the algorithm of Google and how things are prioritized when it comes to search. And like, uh, I think it's a slept on thing, merchandising. And I don't hear too many people talk about uh, this other than Rishi. You probably know Rishi, the product guy. He's a... Uh, yeah, he he. Besides you and him, I don't know other people that are actually talking about much stuff in this space. So uh, yeah, I, that's why I wanted to uh, to you know to talk more about product pages, if uh, I may. I know shopping online is frustrating, but do you think people utilize the product page as they should at to its full extent? Because I think the product page, in my opinion, from customer experience perspective, it should be like telling a story. You know, like it should be helping you to make a decision. Yeah, there's a there's a conundrum you face with the PDP. Um, and when I was in retail, we faced it. Is one is you want the fastest ability to add it to the cart. Like if I land there and that's what I want, I don't want to go through any hassle of any sort. Um, then the second part is all the information for the person who wants the information. Um, so I'm a big believer in descriptions. Uh, you know, true written descriptions, not just copied from the, the vendor. Vendor provides terrible descriptions of their products. Um, and, you know, stuff that you want to learn about. Like, and that's, so my, the online retailer was austinkayak.com. And uh, and they've, the site looks nothing, or is nothing like what it was. Um, so I can't speak to the last four years of what they've done. But prior to that, it was always about building, um, you know, experts, so to be an expert. So how do you compete against Amazon is essentially what we were trying to figure out or, or anybody. And then it was to become a, a, a true expert in the space um, and be a domain authority for it, not domain authority as in like the URL, but truly understand and be the authority. So provide all the information on the PDP for that product um, as well as relevant cross sells um, to it, which is what SearchBrings technology can do on the cross sells is, is true recommended products. Um, not crappy, like, I want you to buy this, but you actually want to buy this. There's two different things there. What the customer wants to buy versus what the retailer wants to sell them. That's true. It's true. And a lot of times the retailer doesn't know what the customer wants to buy. It's just, I mean, most of the times they don't because I don't think they care, you know? That's like, if there's one thing that, e-commerce uh, companies, the direct-to-consumer companies could have taken from Amazon was what they're doing right, which is the convenience, which is the, you know, the great experience that they have. Instead, they just took the mentality that I, I got to sell. Like, I don't care who's buying, I'm selling right now. Like, just, you know, 20% off, go. You go and buy this. So it's it's sad. It's really, it's really sad. And like, I don't want to go on a negative note. Um, I mean, the, the purpose of this podcast is, of course, to talk about e-commerce, but I also want to talk more about you and who you are, because I think that's super interesting. So on LinkedIn, you have created this, uh, I, again, I hate myself for saying this personal branding. Did <laughs> you know my opinion about it? But you have created, you know, like a community around you and uh, you have this hashtag, which is CEO Peter. And basically you're sharing a lot of learnings about leadership, about how you're, you know, managing your teams and how you're approaching stuff. You're not a, like, usually 
and I think, again, you and Valentin are the few exceptions. Like when you see a CEO of a SaaS company, they're always posting about their product, the company updates, and that's it. But they don't show their personality. So how did you get started on LinkedIn? Like how did you start, you know, sharing more about you and your day-to-day? -day? Because you have a lot of amazing content. Yeah, I think I was just bored one day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I have to give the credit, the CEO Peter hashtag came out of a, a guy, CEO Adam. And I was like, how do I create a hashtag? He's like, you just type it. And I was like, oh, wow, that's easy. Um, <laughs> so so I, I copied him. I, I was not original, um, which I'm typically not original or anything. I just copy good people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I was kind of bored and I decided I'd start sharing. And uh, I don't post about the company very much at all. Um, and I get asked all the time, why don't I? And it's like, well, because it should speak for itself. Like you should, like, I don't know. I don't want to be an advertisement, a, a walking commercial all the time. Um, and really I'd rather people understand like how I lead or what I think, or at least how I think I should lead that some might challenge me whether or not I do as I say. <laughs> so, um, we won't ask my team. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, I just, I like sharing interesting things. Um, so I don't, I only share on whims. Um, I don't pre-schedule anything. I don't think about anything. It's just like, oh, I feel like, oh, I had a moment and then I go share it. So if I don't have a moment, I don't share anything. So that's just sort of the way it goes. But yeah, I link it back to boredom. I think, I think boredom is really, really underrated because boredom really does make you do a lot of things which can become productive and successful <laughs> out of boredom. And we actually have this poet in Romania that was talking about this. Valentin, you probably know him, Nikita Stănescu, and he was talking about boredom and uh, out of boredom, a lot of things, you know, might come to fruition. So let's talk a bit about leadership. And I want to challenge both of you and Valentin here to a leadership path. <laughs> so because it's, it's, it's kind of cool to me. So what what in uh, like what type of leaders you guys i mean i know for valentine but what type of leaders you guys are what type of leaders you were and where do you want to go and this is a question for both but i'm gonna let peter start because he's the guest uh i'll start with what kind i was i was a terrible one i was angry screaming throwing things uh, <laughs> sound like my son <laughs> yeah but i was like probably 30, so I probably not appropriate. Um, uh, no, then I grew up. Um, you know, now I'm pretty, I'm pretty hands off. Uh, let the team do what they're hired to do. Uh, give them a goal and let them go for it. Um, you know, try not directing too much. There's the directing versus suggesting. Um, so try to suggest things and let them go versus telling them what to do. Um, which is super frustrating to watch sometimes, but that's a different story. <laughs> sometimes I just want to tell them because it's really easy and they're making it really difficult. Um, but you let them do it. So yeah, now I'm, you know, I, I joke, but I mean it. Like my job is to hire great people and do nothing. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't <laughs> fully made it there. So not that all of my hires aren't great, but I still do some stuff. So for you, the secret of leadership is actually scaling outside yourself, but doing it with amazing people that, you know, get it. So you don't have to do nothing. 
Well, yeah, I mean, in, in reality, anytime, if you hire somebody, you better hire somebody who's smarter at whatever you're hiring them to do than you are. So, you know, like my CMO I hired, he better be better at marketing than me. Otherwise, there's a big problem, um, <laughs> you know, and I'm not very good at sales. So Chantel's got that in the in the bag. So, um, but yeah, no, it is. You hire great people and they can do great things. I agree. So what about you, Valentin? What type of CEO you are? What type of CEO you were? And what, I mean, leader that you want to be? Okay, so... <laughs> I think we're uh, somehow alike, and uh, that's the that's the path. Uh, the I recall when I've been really attached about the results, and I was pouring a lot of time into working and hitting those uh, those numbers, uh, neglecting who do I have uh, beside me, and uh, that was because my attachment i mean we're we're all in this uh, life game where we are attached to a brighter future but uh, the the trick here is to to detach yourself from from the outcomes so that you can see things how they are not how you've planned them to be and i think uh, a lot of people in control positions are forgetting the fact that uh, they are also human beings and they are broken completely broken and we are like puzzles you know and we we still find our uh, our way and i think this job is not is is a never-ending story even though we have our personas even though we have this mask that everything is going great and that we've achieved this this and the other uh deep deep inside we're unsettled and we are always looking for a, a new external challenge so that we validate the fact that we are worthy and we are lovable and we are okay, let's say. And uh, this, uh, this in internal game is uh, amplified if you're, if you're in a control position because you can see people outside yourself doing the shit that you are actually doing within yourself. And uh, it's, it's pretty amazing that you are attracting who you are. And uh, I, I recall that uh, I've been so attached about the results that uh, my former teams, I'm crafting companies since 2001. I, uh, I've seen that a lot of people around me were exactly like I was. And uh, in this, uh, thank God I, that I had this habit of uh, meditating and journaling so that I could see in the evening, who I who I have just ended up uh, ended up being uh, during the day, and thanks to this habit, I realized how she I was, and uh, mainly I I've started to to put some distance uh, between my dreams and my hopes and my aspirations because as a leader, let's say you are carving a new path through the jungle. And you have this vision, let's say, this urge, this attraction towards something that it's different than it is today. And uh, if you are authentic in your passion, and if you detach yourself from the result, but actually enjoy the presence of other people, which are not, they are employee, employees. So they don't have this aspiration to craft or to achieve this quota or this outstanding results. They are, they are even better human beings than the leaders are because they are more stable, more humble, and they, they have a lot of things to, to share with you as uh, the guru or leader. And I, when, you, when you realize this, when I realized it in, uh, in my own life, 
I've started to, to understand that every person which is around me is doing me a huge favor because they are following me in this crazy adventure towards freaking nowhere land. I mean, there, there is so much uncertainty when you are building a company or when you are getting your team towards this goal. I mean, nobody knows anything about life. I mean, if you, I mean, we're, we're born here, we are following the advices of the grown-ups. We think that we will reach some outstanding states, but at the end, the game is over and that's it. We've just been old and uh, uh, we, we, we can end up being pointless. I mean, it's that uh, great, uh, great story from Clay Christiansen. Uh, the, how, would, how will you measure your life? You know, he, he's a fantastic leader. He wrote these books, these bestsellers. He advised top companies. And at the end of, uh, I mean, in the latter part of his life, he realized that all these numbers were pointless. I mean, the, the, the true value is uh, building authentic relationships and being helpful to the ones around you. And that's the kind of leader that I, that I aspire to, to, to become, but it's freaking hard. In when, when Ever since you hired me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's freaking hard because you have you have this person within yourself to 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 score. You know, you have this uh, leaderboard, and you need to score. You need to outperform all these milestones. But you also need to uh, to cope with people's feelings, with their aspirations, with the fact that they have these moods. And it's not like you could. Uh, uh, higher machines to to hit those numbers. And, uh, well, you 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 hit it when you said there's humans. That's the part that most people forget. That we have to manage humans, and humans have emotions, and robots don't. And if your decisions are based on like logic, you will fail miserably because emotions of the humans will take over. So a, a logical move in an organization suddenly becomes like an ordeal because there's an emotion that gets attached to it. I actually think emotional intelligence is probably the most underrated thing in, out there. Um, you know, super intelligent people struggle. I struggled with emotions. Um, even the other night I drafted a message I wanted to send to my senior leadership team and I decided to sit on it for the night. Normally I would have just sent it um, <laughs> and, and I ended up not sending it at all. Um, and, and instead had conversations with the couple individuals I needed to talk to. Um, but that's the, the part where like, you have to pause and deal with like, is the emotional reaction proper to the intelligent reaction? Yeah. I have it's, issues uh, with that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, this ability to stop and to re rethink it's, uh... It's a never-ending uh, endeavor, or I don't know. There are these uh, Buddhist monks or uh, these characters in the movies, like uh, it was in Kung Fu Panda, Shifu, right? The, that that guy with the inner peace. So. Shifu. <laughs> yeah. From everyone you could have chosen. <laughs> I don't remember that one, so I'll just go with it. It was Master Shifu from Kung Fu Panda. It was that uh, uh, he was like impersonating Yoda. But it was yeah. in, uh, you know, that cartoons. company. <laughs> See, Peter, yeah. you gotta watch cartoons, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. so what? What are my chances for becoming a CEO? 
Because <laughs> I, I was oh, slim, slim to none. I mean, let's just be real. <laughs> um, well, I mean, first off, first off, I mean, it's a, it's a very, it's a very narrow pyramid. So there's, you know, there's less and less opportunity as you go up. But, um, but yeah, I think Valtino needs to, to die, and you can take his place. I mean, we could do it that way. I guess that's kind of <laughs> rough, though. God, I hope not. <laughs> You could take mine, but I'm not really going anywhere either. You know either, who I so. like from your team? She's from Australia. One second that I forgot her name Eight. right now. Yes, I like her. She's so cool. I mean, I like everyone from your team. I just want to congratulate you right now on live LinkedIn. Because <laughs> I was about to say on live TV. I want to <laughs> congratulate you on live uh, LinkedIn that I think you have the most, besides us, I think you have the most female employees, which I think is fucking amazing because females are so underrepresented in this industry and in your company, I swear I haven't seen so many amazing females in the same spot. And I want to tell you, are you okay? I want to just ask you, are you okay? <laughs> are you okay with like, it's, I, I just want to congratulate you because I think it takes a lot of balls to surround yourself with so many women that are clearly smarter than men. And I think you, you know, I'm sorry, it's real. But yeah, I just want to congratulate you. I was um, researching, you know, the type of uh, inclusion that most companies have in e-commerce and is barely any. And Valentin has the same problem because there's more women in Omnicomfort than men. But I think I want to ask you guys like, are we really smarter than you guys? And you should say yes because you're live right now. So I'm waiting. Oh, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> By far, yeah. I mean, emotional intelligence, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's something that we don't master yet. But uh, mainly this is a skill that we, we, we have to train. And how else uh, to, to, to get outstanding training than uh, being surrounded by ladies? Exactly. Good answer. <laughs> yeah, we're we're right around thirty five percent, which in technology is pretty freaking high. Um, there's not a lot of in uh, women in in tech uh, in general. So, yeah, but. I think it's amazing, and I uh, I want to congratulate you for that because I I think I'm connected with mostly everyone that works from you from for you. And uh, yeah, I think you guys are doing an amazing uh, job on giving, you know, more women uh, space to shine. And uh, I think it's needed. And I think a lot of, you know, technology companies, e-commerce or whatever should, you know, look at you for, uh, for doing this. And um, I also want to ask you right now, uh, <laughs> be fine. so tell me, Peter, tell me what are like the biggest three fuck ups you did? since you're being the CEO of Search Spring? Uh, none. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it has to be some, like, you know, the reason why I'm asking this question, I'm not trying to be funny. It's to embarrass you. <laughs> nah, no. I mean, but I, I, I'm, I, no, I'm, I love Peter, everything's no. perfect. Why would I have made any fuck ups? I mean, come on. No, I want to ask you this because a lot of people on social media, uh, tend to associate, you know, what they see 
you know, only the exterior with what it is, but I, they don't think that behind the job, whatever the job is, especially you guys, as you know, being in a, the leadership of a company, they don't understand that even if on social media, everything is nice and positive and polished, like behind, you actually might go through a lot of stuff to get where you are. So a lot of people I know, because I mean, they're in your comment section, a lot of times I see that they look up to you. So the reason why I'm asking you what are some fuck-ups that you did is just that I want to show them that even if you, you know, if you go through stuff, you can still, you know, emerge, uh, you know, better at the end of it. Because there's no mistakes. There's just lessons if you want to look at them like that. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know my biggest fuck-up. Um, but you are absolutely right. I call it Instagram life. Like everybody posts only the pretty things. Yeah. Uh, going on around them. They don't post the shitty things going around them. Uh, my buddy shared a picture one time. It was like an Instagram picture and then he zoomed out and it was like this really pretty picture of like a lime with a, with like a tumbler and ice in the tumbler. And it looked like he was about to make a drink. And then he posted the zoomed out picture and it was like all the kids shit all over the floor, like behind him. And it was like Instagram versus real life. And I think online, most people are fake. Um, I try to be as real as possible. Um, I, I do share a lot of things that people are surprised I share. I do have a lot of people who try to call me out on things. It's really bizarre. Um, but, you know, I share all the time. I'm ADHD. The fact that I've stared at the screen for 35 minutes is painful. Um, I'm sorry. But it's, you're, you're, you, you both are lovely. Uh, it's just my attention span is, is terrible and I have dyslexia and reading sucks. I hate reading. I don't read books. Why don't I read books? Because it's difficult. Uh, why don't I listen to books on tape or audible? Um, because my ADHD then kicks in and I don't pay attention. I realize I've been listening for 30 minutes, but I have no idea what was just said. Um, so I relate a lot to that. <laughs> so yeah, I don't read a lot. I, pictures are great. If you can put a book in a picture, you got me. Um, or a quick blog, like one paragraph. So I blog every week and I ish, put an asterisk next to that. I missed this week. And um, you are like Taylor Swift's biggest fan. Possibly. I am. I am, but I'm not, I was not this, my daughter, when I went home, it was like last week, she's like, oh, you came home. You're not the stalker who was arrested. So <laughs> that back on for me. So apparently some stalker was arrested last week. So it wasn't me. Um, <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, good, good, to know. good to know. And and I've shared a lot of Taylor. Uh, she's got hidden management uh, nuggets in her songs. She doesn't know it, but <laughs> I call them out. She has no idea. She wrote about an ex-boyfriend. I heard a management thing. I don't know. Sorry, I'm just laughing because it's fucking hilarious. Your daughter said you're not the stalker. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it was it was earlier. It was like last Wednesday. Or it was like last Wednesday or Thursday, I came home. She's like, oh, good, Dad. You came home. You're not the stalker. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, some <laughs> stalker of Taylor was arrested today. So anyway, I do love her. Her music is wonderful. And I, I do I, post I, about I, it quite a bit. Too much. I, I never even listened to her until you started posting. I was like, man, if Peter likes her, it must be something to this to this person that I should be you know, looking into. <laughs> so I, I need to get some royalties. You should. You definitely should. Oh my God. Uh, but listen, I totally, I totally relate with, uh, I'm, I'm reading like seven books at the moment, all of them at the same time. And if I start reading, I start thinking about stuff 
and I just like completely forget everything that I uh, that I read, and then I start doing stuff like nothing ever happened. And uh, yeah, I uh, but you know, like you know, neurodivergent people are awesome. We are awesome. We are awesome. And and you know what? That's that's cool. I, I like that. So I wanna I wanna I wanna ask you one for me because Valentin probably Valentin. You know what? I'm sorry, man. I was just too excited. <laughs> I, I forgot. So, Valentin, please, your stage is yours. I'm, I'm done. But why, why, why do you start? No, continue. I haven't got anything no. to ask. Perfect. So, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you, Peter, like, when you know, because I live on LinkedIn too a lot. So, I wanna, I wanna ask you, like, do you deal? Are you frustrated sometimes when, um? Like I get frustrated all the time on LinkedIn when like I work a lot to provide great content that's not boring and it's educational as well because it takes a lot of you know to write something good when it comes to you. So then you know you you get I get frustrated when I see someone posting the dumbest shit when it comes to e-commerce. Like yeah, just send this discount campaign and change the headline in the email. Score, save this post. And then you're like, I'm here talking about cognitive dissonance. <laughs> It's like, why, why? Like, doesn't like this is what I hate about social media. Like, I love LinkedIn. There's some people that I really like. There's some boring people as well. But like, it's frustrating to me as the more you use social media, like probably to discharge all these energies. It's like, you you get frustrated because the bullshit is pushed further than the the quality content. So, do you ever get that frustration? Because I'm sure a lot of people that I see on LinkedIn right now watching are relating to that. Yeah, I try to ignore it. I, I I laugh at a lot of people's posts, and I don't laugh in like that they're funny posts. I laugh in what they're attempting to do. Um, I, I laugh when you mock them. That actually is the best. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I should post something like, "The sky's not blue. What do you think?" And like some stupid <laughs> thing like that. And, or agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think actually what's most frustrating about LinkedIn is um, I haven't quite finished like an A-B test study on this, but uh, hate is loved more than love is loved. Um, so I did a post about recruiters and recruiters are terrible and any recruiter that hears this, that's fine. You can hear it. I hate most recruiters. Sorry, um, Greg. <laughs> um, but uh, I, yeah, I posted about it and like next thing I know, it's like a half a million views. And, and, and then that opened up a whole uh, wormhole of uh, spam connection requests where then I had to shut off the ability to connect with me. And I was like, this whole thing is all, this whole algorithm is all messed up. I, I post hate, which gets a lot of love, then gets a lot of spam. And now I got to shut things down and, and disappear and try and hide um, because I don't know what, I don't know, I don't know what keywords that triggered. Um, but yeah, most of the time I, I laugh at people. I'm laughing at them, not with them. Peter, you you said that you you hate recruiters. Uh, how do you recruit? What's your I mean part of the growth of any company, e-commerce or SaaS? Yeah, we don't use recruiters. Um, uh, we do have we do have one. We have an internal uh, recruiter, um, but we don't pay external recruiters. Now it's so honestly how we recruit is uh, a lot of my LinkedIn is, is, is doing great recruiting. Um, 
and referrals. So once we get the engine running and get a bunch of people hired on, they started referring like crazy. Um, so we have a, a massive amount of referral um, and uh, you know, we have an awesome culture. Um, that's not, it's not mine. It's my entire teams. We've built an amazing culture that people just want to, they want to work here. They seek us. So I, I think it's interesting. I, wa- I, I watch it that I have more people wanting to work for us than I have jobs available. So I don't need recruiters. Um, and that's just a function of, of my team being out there and being who they are and hiring great people who then want to, you know, like advertise how great it is and come work here. So it sort of, it's like a flywheel, just sort of spinning. How did you get your team to be so uh, active on social media? Because everyone from your company is like... They're not enough. Um, The ones I'm connected to are like super, Kate especially, like she has a great content. Yeah, no, I, I nothing's forced. Uh, we actually created an internal channel like LinkedIn ideas or something, and and I, I uh, on Slack, and I actually archived it the other day um, because it wasn't being used. I didn't want. Mm-hmm. I, I told people I don't want to tell them to go post. Like, if you want to post, post. Um, if you if it's contrived content, it's worthless content. So, um, if they want to do it, great. It just happens. They like doing it. They like sharing things. They like sharing stories. Uh, a lot of them post, like Kate posts a lot about the product and about uh, deals closed and whatnot. That's fine. Uh, I don't post that way. and But I don't tell anybody what to do and they can do whatever they want. I just saw you guys just got a prize from uh, Nora Awards those in Australia. I think yep. you just got a prize. Congrats for that. It was awesome to uh, to see you there. I uh, I went and voted for some people. I, of course, I, I got you, you know, all the time. Well, well thank uh, you. We won by one vote, so it was you. I, I don't know if it was one vote, but we <laughs> it was half a vote, maybe. <laughs> no, I I, I saw because um, I um, I have a lot of friends in Australia, and that's how I met you know Kate through someone that I knew from Australia and New Zealand. And um, I just think you know like a big part of the culture is also uh, back to Valentin's question with recruiting. I think um, it's bad if you uh, like it's, it's too bad if you have a great company culture but you don't show it to the world. So you can it it can you know bring people you know in and uh, I know that you and Valentin are uh, both uh, I probably agreeing with one thing because both of you like to have the team in the office more than it's at home and I saw the smiles at the same time epic. <laughs> well, there's nothing can be replaced the the collaboration cannot be replaced over video um, and if you just take a meeting so take a meeting of ten people in an office. Uh, somebody's talking, two people are on the corner, they're having a sidebar, probably about the meeting, hopefully, uh, come up <laughs> with an idea like, hey, have we ever thought about blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then they rejoin the meeting and the meeting goes on and they you know, add that in. Uh, and all those side conversations and talking on top of each other can't happen on video. Video's like one way. It's very difficult to talk over top of somebody. And, like, and you can't have two people talking to each other while somebody's presenting, that just doesn't work. You can slack each other on the backside. And then when the meeting's over, uh, if you just watch people, like half them leave and the other half sit around talking about things typically work-related. Um, so you can't mimic that. 
that's number one. Number two is trust. You can't build trust if you can't hang out. Uh, and, and then number three is like that water cooler talk. So I, I call this the, the fuck off time. So people fuck off all the time in the office. Like you're lucky you get like six hours out of somebody that's like probably stellar. They're probably more like five hours of work. Um, so that, that time in between at the office is, you know, your, your, what I call fuck off time is you're talking with like other employees and you're getting to know them. You're personally getting to know them. You're building trust and, and you're probably also talking about work. Um, now at home in between the zoom meetings where that 30 minutes that you have, you go like pick weeds or put dishes in the dishwasher. Dishes. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And it's not the same. There's no team building. There's no, nothing going on. So that's the part that gets missed. Um, and, you know, some people are very good at remote work and understand it and can uh, find their way into the conversation. Uh, but for a majority of the people, it's just not good. It's not healthy um, for them. I don't think it is. Um, now we have out of 105 people, we have 12 that are hired uh, as remote. Um, so we're not against the idea of remote. It's just not it's definitely not for everyone. I agree, and I miss the office as well. And uh, I used to be a remote worker, but then I got hired here, and the vibe in the office was so fun. And then I just got knocked out because it was COVID, and I had enough time on my hands. <laughs> so I had the baby, so now I'm at home, and I'm just trying to find reasons to come to the office for no reason. And I was just at the office the last week for that. And I miss the vibes, and I miss, I used to sit next to Valentin. It's most likely that he's not going to let me sit next to him after this whole pandemic. But <laughs> I was sitting next to him. It was so cool because, you know, I could have just, like, you know, it's like Valentin, this is the idea. Stop everything because I'm that type of person that was going to stop everyone from working all the time. So I think a lot of my colleagues are very appreciative because I just get an idea. And I'm like, if one is to stop, stop pizza Thursdays, pizza Thursdays, and that's it, you know, like some, something like that. So I miss the office and um, I'm looking forward to going back. I, I vaccine myself. I just want to go back and uh, do some great content from the office. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I know Valentin does too. It's, uh, it's, we miss the office. Everyone does. It's a different dynamics and it make you, it makes you be more focused. And I agree. I do work less than eight hours when I'm at the office. But, but I love you, Valentin. I love, the, I love my job. But I'm productive. Like that, that, that's yeah. what it means. You got to be productive. I think we would get bored if we stay eight hours. Like I couldn't imagine myself staying eight hours and doing the same stuff. I think I would probably go crazier than I am. So thank you for being here. I'm sorry that I had no uh, line of questioning. It's just that I think you're a really, really cool person. And I enjoy getting to know you through your content and to finally see you and talk to you like this today. This podcast was brought to you by Vitex. Vitex is the first and only fully integrated e-commerce marketplace and OMS solution that offers fastest time to revenue and no upgrades ever. So go ahead, check them out, vtex.com.